welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We are so happy you've joined us today. We have an incredible show where we're talking about something very important, mindfully transforming our lives, the path of happiness, and we have such a terrific guest. And before I introduce Melissa Souter, I thought I'd share with you our Anikona Farm moment. So what was really big in the news was the hurricane. And so here at Anikona Farm, we're right above Kona Town. We're about 2,000 feet above Kona. We did prepare for the hurricane. It was looking like it was coming right at us. And fortunately, I believe the way the Big Island is put together with some of these very tall mountains surrounding us, embracing us, some are close to 14,000 feet, we somehow ended up maybe missing. It just happened. Now, there was a lot of rain. There was some flooding on certain parts of our Big Island, but we were so thankful that we were able to weather, as you might say, the hurricane this, this week. So a lot of people asked me about that, and we were just thankful we can talk about it, that it really was something that, that worked out just fine. So that's a little bit about our Anikona Farm moment this week. So let's talk about mindfully transforming our lives, the path of happiness. Melissa Souter is joining us, and she's a mindfulness teacher, a keynote speaker. She's a corporate consultant. She creates really amazing, innovative solutions. She brings together mindfulness, technology, and also social impact. And we're going to hear a lot about that with Melissa. And we'd like to welcome you to My Favorite Coffee Story, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Aloha and mahalo from Maui. Well, we are so delighted. And Melissa, we are so looking forward to hearing your inspiring stories, sharing about your personal journey. And we thought we would start with some of your early days and growing up days and family times, please. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's been quite the journey from, I grew up born and raised in Alabama, very rural, tiny little town. And um, it's amazing because the, the town was super tiny. And then I lived even further out. It was about a 10-mile drive from our little town to where I actually lived. So it's very much in nature, surrounded by trees and cows and all sorts of <laughs> things like that. And um, what I really appreciated about it, I think, the most is the nature. And to this day, yes. I'm just such a advocate for getting people outdoors. And I do a lot of um, mindfulness, actually, in the outdoors. But so I grew up in Alabama, very uh, Southern Baptist religious family. It was my mom, my sister, who's a year younger than me, 
and my grandma, and then we actually had a first cousin. He's the only guy in the house. <laughs> so poor him. <laughs> and oh. his, um, his mother had moved away to New York, which a lot of people have been doing at that time just for more opportunity. So a lot of my family had, I think all the migration migrated from the South and and went to the north in different places in search of opportunity. Though so we spent most of our time in the outdoors and also in church. That was that was the bulk of my childhood. Well, thank you for sharing that, Melissa. And it it sounds like then when you decided to attend university, you attended Alabama Agricultural Mechanical University. Please share a little bit about those university days and how you ended up studying computer science and mathematics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, you know, when I was growing up, there were there were a lot of things that I enjoyed about the South. A lot of people hear about the Southern hospitality, which is really wonderful and really sweet. A lot of people are just genuinely kind and wanting to connect, you know, as people actually stop and say hello and, and take the time to talk to each other. So those are things that I really, really enjoyed about it. So at the same time, when I was growing up, I knew that I wanted to leave Alabama at some point. <laughs> yes. So I would do a lot of reading. I would just like lose myself in books and a lot of reading. So I, um, I became very academic and um, was just really into school and doing well. I had this drive within me to just like do really, really good. I wanted to be accomplished and, and make all of these achievements, though no one in my family had been to college before, so wow. I didn't have a lot of guidance or, yeah, or role models or or any kind of way to, to navigate these things. I just knew within me that I had this dream to do something more, and I had this huge dream, actually, to travel the world, not knowing how, <laughs> how yes. that would happen. So that was a big dream for me. And I thought to myself, I said, well, you know, if I can go to college, then that would most likely give me an opportunity to, you know, get out into the world and and do some other things. So I set my intention on going to college. And how the whole computer science uh, and mathematics came about is that I was really good at it in school, like, you know, math, I and mean, we're here now even where there's this challenge to get more girls and women yes. into mathematics and science. And for me, it was, it was just something that I was able to do. And it actually made sense to me because there was so much in my life that was kind of like unknown or right. like, you know, mysterious. And so for me, science was very, like, grounding. For me, it was something that was known. It was something that was more concrete. It was measurable. And I felt like, okay, well, maybe this is, this is something for me. And when one of my classmates, who was, he was, like, about a couple of years ahead of me in school, and 
he was at Alabama A&M University, and he said to me, like, you know, he told me about these scholarships. You know, they have scholarships if you want to study science and math. And, and I went, wow, here's my opportunity. You know, here's my way to, to get right. into college and use that as a stepping stone to go even further. And so I applied for the scholarship, and it was through a technology company. And then I was awarded the scholarship because I had really great grades. I was yes. like, you know, overachiever. <laughs> and so I went off to went off to school and and yeah, studied computer science and mathematics and even had a couple of like physics classes and all of that and just kind of like threw myself into it and uh made it a, a great learning experience. Well, you did, and you did so well. And when you studied computer science and mathematics, Melissa, was there by chance maybe mm-hmm. a favorite class or mentor that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. You know, I um, it was it's so interesting because it's like reflecting back. I see where we are today with technology, and I'm still involved in the in the tech world. And so much has changed in that time. I mean, this was over 20 years ago when I was, you know, studying computer science then, and we had these huge machines. I mean, like the printer. I remember the printer and right. the paper. It was like it was like these mainframe kind of computers. Was like the kids these days, they would be like, "What is that?" <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> You know, we're like holding our computers in our hand now. And back then it was a whole different story. And uh, I remember just learning some of the programming languages. Uh, one of them, um, it's called like Pascal. Something which yeah. I don't think anybody uses <laughs> all these days. <laughs> but it was challenging for me. And I really enjoyed uh, challenging myself. And I really enjoyed learning new things. And I love the, like, the creation process. You know, it was like you just start with a blank screen, a blank page, and you could build something out of that, you know, something that with functionality and that right. could do things. And that was just so exciting for me. I was like, wow, you know, I wrote it these is. lines of code, and now it's actually an application that can perform and function and be useful. That was just fascinating for me. I just thought it was amazing. And then the other part of it you were asking about, like teachers and mentors, you know, um, Alabama A&M is a historically black college and university. And that was something that was really inspiring for me in itself because it gave me the chance to see people who look like me, you know, in these roles of teaching and higher education. And so all of that, just being in that environment was nurturing and it was, it was inspiring. Like, wow, people were, you know, they were educated. They were in, in these roles to be of guidance to the students. So I think just the whole atmosphere itself, in that way, it was really inspiring. 
Well, and we appreciate you sharing that because that's such an inspiring story. Your personal journey is just so heartwarming. And thank you for sharing because then you decided to pursue a graduate degree, a master's in computer science and engineering, and you continued along. And you even had your thesis, which I just think is incredible, developing a human-computer interface to make higher education accessible to physically disabled students. Please share with us about your graduate work and a little bit more about your thesis, please. Yeah, definitely. So I was was just on this roll of uh, just kind of being on fire for education, you know, and, and I was I was learning so much, and I figured, hey, you know, let's continue this, let's keep it going, and it was really interesting the way that I chose to go to the University of Notre Dame. I was, you think it come for, like, there were these career fairs, you know, in school, and you get to go and, like, you know, see what's out there. And what I loved about it, I went to visit the university before I made my decision. I was looking at a couple of other schools as well. And um, I love the nature of it. Again, it was that, you know, reconnecting with that passion from my childhood. It was just being surrounded by trees. And and the University of Notre Dame is just such a beautiful campus. I got there, I was just like, oh, this is lovely. You know, there were places to go for walks. And we had this, there was this area called the Grotto, which was, you know, I just remember back then just going for walks and there was a lake. And, and so that was really beautiful for me. And um, the other thing, too, was the connection with um, religion. So, you know, because it's a Catholic university, and um, the part of it that I love is their their commitment to doing good in the world. You know, that was very much felt. I could really feel that. And so that really resonated with me as well. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I, I just believe that I could really continue my learning and pursue even more in the realm of, of computer science and uh, engineering. And so how I got to doing the thesis that I did in the research that I did is because one of my fellow students at the university, she uh, was in a wheelchair. Uh, she had um, cerebral palsy, so she was able to, I see, she was able to make sounds, I mean, like cerebral palsy affects your, your motor abilities yes. and all that, but she was, she was able to make sounds, she wasn't able to, like, fully speak, but she was able to make sounds, and she had an assistant who was there with her at the university who would um, help her with, like, the taking notes and, and all of those things, and and she and I became really good friends, and I was just fascinated at the way where I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's hard. <laughs> graduate school, like, there's so much work to do. And there it's was. really challenging. I mean, extremely challenging. And especially, I mean, I guess at most graduate schools, that you know, Notre Dame just has such this high level of excellence, and it was just like, you know, really pushing you to really be the best. 
and uh, I just went, oh my goodness, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm like having a day just like keeping up and getting, keeping everything going. And, and I went, oh my goodness, how uh, I was just fascinated by her and how she was, you know, doing the work with, with the limits that, yes. that she had. And so we really connected, became really good friends and that contributed also to my my passion for my work and diversity and inclusion because a lot of times people think about like diversity and they automatically think like race and ethnicity and culture and I know diversity includes such a huge range you know so it's also you know people who have um, limitations physically and mentally and so many things and and uh, I just thought oh my goodness let's work together and use this technology for something good in the world, you know? At that time, a lot of people were looking at the technology, of, you know, to use it for um, how do we, of course, get more things done and how do we make things faster, speed things up, and, and that was a big focus. And she and I really saw the potential for the technology to be used for good, to make a social impact. And we worked together on developing the human computer interface that we um, took a lot of like different sounds that she could make. Yes. We um, recorded like several, like uh, probably thousands of, thousands of sounds and we created the sound mapping technology. And then we were able to um, make we were able to distinguish like a few different sounds, and then we mapped those sounds to coordinate with movements of the cursor on the computer screen. So That's she incredible. could take certain sounds, would take that sound and map it, and then she actually move the cursor around the screen and perform actions depending on which sounds she made. And so that was a way that then she felt more empowered that then she yes. could actually interact with the computer. You know? oh, thank you for and sharing that, Melissa. That's incredible. And we, we are going to take a quick break. And Melissa is going to share okay. with us a little bit more about her projects that she would take on right after the break. So listeners, please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. 
Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You're listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're talking with Melissa Souter. She's a mindfulness teacher, keynote speaker, and corporate consultant. And we're talking about mindfully transforming our lives, the path of happiness. And Melissa was kindly sharing about her personal journey, her early days, getting a graduate degree from University of Notre Dame, how she pursued that degree as a computer science degree, an engineering degree. And then she also focused in on helping people with disabilities using human computer interface to help them learn and make higher education accessible to a variety of people. And thank you for sharing that, Melissa. And we were going to ask Melissa a little bit more about her time at University of Notre Dame, how that was like, if you had maybe some those you were talking about how hard it was and how you really put in such an effort to do a great job there. And any favorite or coffee stories or tea stories as you were all together and working hard on your thesis? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I um, I remember there being this really cute, like, cafe uh, on campus. And um, it would be a gathering place for students and professors alike to go and, and connect. And there would always be this lovely smell of coffee, which I just I think is amazing. And uh, I would always veer towards the tea. I'm like a big a big tea drinker. And uh, so we would go there to connect and I really see like coffee and tea being this wonderful opportunity for us to just take a pause. You know, we're going to slow down, stop for a bit. And genuinely connect with one another, you know, where it's not just so much in passing, but we actually take that time to listen and share. I mean, it's so important. So that was like a central hub of the campus. And um, it would also be a way to kind of relax and soothe ourselves with all that was going on, you know, all of the projects that were due and, and oh my goodness, just uh, 
so much happening. And it was actually during that time as well because it would get fairly stressful. There would be so many projects that are due at the same time and these deadlines. And it was during that time that I was off at the bookstore and I found this book on like yoga and there was a chapter in there on meditation. And um, I was actually a bit, like, well, not a bit, but a lot hesitant about even getting the book because to me, having grown up so, like, fundamental, like, religious, like, Christian, it, I felt that it was going against my beliefs in a way to even look at something that was, like, this yoga. Yes, I understand. It was, yeah, from these other, like, traditions of, like, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism or what have you. So it presented, like, this barrier for me. And um, I just noticed that within myself. But then I, I convinced myself, <laughs> oh, you know, it's just another learning tool. And uh, I just went with that, my inner knowing that said, you know, get this book. And I did. And I started uh, kind of teaching myself to meditate from that, that book. And um, it was like, now I teach mindfulness, but then I was learning what I was doing was concentration meditation, which is also a part of mindfulness, but concentration is really focusing in on um, on an object or something, just really maintaining that um, that concentration, and it was really helpful for me. Just really helpful to um, to be able to kind of alleviate some of the stress, you know. And I started doing some of the the yoga poses and the mindful movement, and I thought, wow. This is something, but you know that was that was back then, and and you know, and here we are now. <laughs> here we are now. Well, you went on after your university days. You had a, a very intense career in Silicon Valley as an engineer and a project manager, and I can imagine just balancing your days and working really hard. Perhaps the meditation was something that that helped you with that. Mm-hmm. It did. It really, really did. And um, it was a way for me to just really connect with myself also and really become more aware of what it is that I needed and how to kind of help take care of myself. Though, uh, you know, there was still, of course, that pressure to perform. So it did. It helped to to keep me balanced, you know, in this way. So there was also that that huger drive to achieve, you know, and yes. to do really well. And I remember in in graduate schools, it was my last semester or so, is when I got my very first C. I maybe had a couple of Bs in my my whole like educational life, but I still remember that day. It was like, wow. And that was the first and only see it. <laughs> and I just, it, it, I reflect back on, wow, how driven, you know, I, I was and how I just really had this, um, this kind of like a need in a way to, to be very accomplished and to achieve. 
And, um, and that kind of continued on with me even into Silicon Valley. And I was, I remember being recruited from, from graduate school. We have these career fairs. And even when I was there at Notre Dame, I would go off uh, to these kind of graduate school fairs and I would represent Notre Dame. Even then, I was active in diversity and inclusion work. I would, you know, connect with college students and encourage them to help diversify Notre Dame and also yes. like other universities, you know, to have more people of color and women, especially in, in engineering and science. So I I interviewed with a lot of different companies from all over the country, and it was pretty neat, too, because it was a way that I could travel. I ended up going to all these different kinds of states, so I was really adventurous. And I was going to places I never even thought about, you know, that I would go. And I just, I was so curious. I was curious as to how other people live, and what their thoughts and beliefs were, what kind of things they did, and and it just fascinated me. So I really uh, took that opportunity to go and interview with a lot of different tech companies all over the country, but it was when I went to California in the Bay Area, and I was just really blown away by the beauty and I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, on the coast, it was just so gorgeous, and the nature, such a diversity of nature, and then such a diversity of people as well. Like, going from right. you know, Alabama A&M was predominantly black, and then I went to Notre Dame, where it was predominantly white, and then I go to California, I'm like, wow, there's all kinds of people, and I was just blown away, and I was really gone that and I was drawn to the fact that in my mind I thought it was more progressive and I said all right California here I come and then my family said oh my goodness California they said that's the land of the fruits and the nuts <laughs> more <laughs> ways than one. Oh my gosh well you you ended up it's it's interesting because you had that very high powered silicon valley career and then you realize mm-hmm. that there's an element in in corporate america and in work in general and how we can balance our days and then you mm-hmm. ended up becoming a mindfulness teacher you're a keynote speaker you work with various mm-hmm. corporate clients and large companies like Google, etc. And you also did get your master's degree in counseling psychology from Santa Clara University. Please share how you became involved in mindfulness. Oh, yeah. Well, I, um, I did remember when I was, I did continue to meditate kind of off and on, but I didn't have a consistent practice from when I started at Notre Dame. So when I was in the corporate world, um, it was just, it was a whole different world for one. It was, uh, there was that pressure to get things done and perform. That was from the corporate side. And then remember, I also had that drive within myself to do well and, and be accomplished and all of that. So Bringing all that together was like, oh my goodness. So it was a lot of, uh, I noticed that it was a lot of time and effort and energy going into work. Because, of course, for people who 
who do have full-time jobs have most of your day, if not all of your day, that you're spending in the workplace. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, this is, this is a big part of life. You know, if you have a Definitely. career, it takes a huge, huge part of your life. So I um, ended up starting as a software engineer, and what started to get to me about that as I was becoming more and more aware of myself and what it is that I really valued, I just found that I really love that people connection. And I was spending most of my time in my cubicle uh, with the computer and very minimal time with people and connecting. So I, I had to move up into a project lead uh, position where I did get to you know, go around and kind of coordinate projects and manage things so I was able to be with people a bit more. And I thought, okay, this is great. So my first career, I was in a like a top. I was working at Lockheed Martin, and I had a top security clearance. And I ended up working in this building that didn't have any windows. Oh, and no. Like really connected to nature, and I love being in nature. And for me to be spending like my whole day, where I just I didn't even see out of a window. Sometimes I didn't even have time to really go out for lunch. But I just noticed that it wasn't feeding my soul. And I said, oh my goodness, I can just see a tree, get outside even more. So I ended up leaving there, going to a different company. And um, it was better because I was, I was sitting right next to a window so I could look out and see the sky and I could see the trees and and that, you know, brought me some happiness. So it was still a lot of hours. There were times when, you know, we worked into the nighttime. We even had, like, a little futon in the office with people to, like, crash out on and go to sleep and wake up <laughs> and start doing more work, especially if we had a project coming up. And I began to learn that that was, that was really a lot of what the culture was like in Silicon Valley. Just seemed to be something that was accepted. You know, that's just how things were done. That's how you do it. And it was not feeling aligned with me. I I just thought we have this beautiful life, though it doesn't seem in balance. We're spending so much time at work. And what about family? What about friends? What about you know, adventure, nature, all of these things. So I, I decided that I, just, I, I needed a change. I needed something different. At that time, I was, uh, I was married, and my husband also, he was feeling the pressure of Silicon Valley, uh, that, this energy of the rat race. And so we both decided, okay, we're, we're going to, we're going to make a grand escape. <laughs> we're going to just, like, take some time off. We're going to, you know, get out of this. We've saved up money. And the day came when we decided okay, we're, we're resigning. We're going to take off. And we planned a trip around the world. And remember when I said I was young and I was reading these things and imagining 
I would love to travel the world. I had no idea how it would be possible. No one in my family even had a passport. I didn't even, you know, it was, it was something I held on to that dream. And so we did it, and we did a whole trip around the world. During that time, we decided we didn't want to be married. <laughs> so the mindfulness helps with that awareness okay. as well. Okay. We remain really great friends until this day. Uh, went our separate ways, and I kept traveling. I was out of the country for like two years, just wow. living in the present moment, experiencing amazing freedom, um, tapping into my my love and passion for diversity and inclusion. You know, connecting with people from all different backgrounds, cultures, religions, different beliefs, different like everything and it was such an experience for me it was so life-changing you know definitely and um it was it was incredible those life stories melissa are really just so inspiring to all of us and the fact that you were traveling and seeing different parts of the world that had always been your dream for two years we just love that you shared that with us and when we come back after the break listeners we're going to talk a little bit more about how Melissa runs various corporate retreats helping people with mindfully transforming their lives and she is the director and founder of happiness and at the Dragonfly Healing Center since 2011. So we're going to hear a little bit more about that right after the break. So please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. Such 
a wonderful time with our guest, Melissa Souter, who's a mindfulness teacher, a keynote speaker, and a corporate consultant. And of course, she has a background in computer science and also in counseling. And we were just sharing how Melissa ended up taking a two-year journey around the world after she had decided to resign from her job in Silicon Valley and really kind of find what's important in life. And in 2011, Melissa, we'd love to hear how you became the founder and director of the Dragonfly Healing Center and how you're the founder and director of happiness. Please share with us. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So much. I, um, you know, I was reflecting a lot about my time working in the corporate world of tech and science, and um, how I was mentioning the. I believe things were so off balance, and they still are. Though it's, I feel it's my mission and and purpose. Part of my purpose in life is to help affect change in that area because. I do see a lot of people suffering. I mean, I was suffering, and I see so many people who are suffering with the demands and the pressures of the long hours and feeling that their lives are not in balance and feeling a lot of stress and even, you know, the burnout. So I got connected with mindfulness. It was actually through listening to my own inner wisdom and inner guidance, I just had this calling that there was something I was that I was supposed to do. Like, you know, these experiences that I had, these trials and tribulations, if you want to call it, that I was supposed to use that and transform it in a way that could help others. So I followed this calling. I was sitting in meditation, and it came up for me. I was, I was really connecting with the things that I love to do, how I like to contribute in the world. And what came up for me was, you know, counseling, because I love connecting with people. I love listening to their stories and, and genuinely just connecting from the heart and doing whatever it is that I can to be of support and to help. I, I believe that we're all here to support each other. We're all interconnected. And um, so to, to just look look at, you know, Santa Clara University and he saw that there was this a counseling program. It was actually my ex-mother-in-law who said, she goes, you know, you need to look at Santa Clara University. They have some really great programs there and they got some, some good stuff going on. And it just happened they had this open house and I went and so in my mind, it's amazing because we humans can come up with all kinds of excuses and reasons That's why true. not do anything, mm-hmm. even though we have the power within us to do it. But what's coming up in my, my mind is, oh, you know, I don't want to go through this whole graduate school process again. I had to take the GRE. I can't stand the GRE. I don't want to take that, that test. And when it came down to they said, oh, you already have a master's degree you don't have to take the GRE. You're oh, so then that excuse got So I went okie dokie and, and I was just guided to fill out the application and recommendations. It all kind of came together and I was accepted into the program. And that was in like 2008. And will you believe it that my very first professor, 
in my very first class in the counseling program was one of the top experts in mindfulness and one of the top researchers in mindfulness. And I said, this is a sign. (laughs) Definitely a sign, Melissa. I was with her. She was my mentor. And I've just, I started, you know, offering programs and teaching right away as soon as I felt that, hey, I had something to offer to people. And um, when I finished my master's and that I did, did all of the mindfulness classes. I, I was a participant in mindfulness-based stress reduction courses myself. I probably participated in like three or four of them. And then I did my teacher training in mindfulness-based stress reduction. I did a professional teacher training um, at a retreat with John Kabat-Zinn, who was the founder and creator of mindfulness-based stress reduction. And I've just been on fire for mindfulness ever since. And in 2011, I was, um, again, at a crossroads of do I go and become, you know, like a therapist where I'm, again, like maybe sitting in an office and seeing kind of client after client or, or do I create something of my own? And what became very clear for me and actually woke me up in the middle of the night one night was that I needed to do my own thing, like at the center of awareness, something that was that was coming to me, and that's when Dragonfly Healing Center was born. And, and I love how you really think that the whole person is important. You know, when you balance mind and body and heart and spirit, it really is the whole person. And so you'll do various corporate retreats. You'll do wonderful retreats for women in technology and science. Um, You'll help underserved communities with their, you know, learning, like emotional learning skills and we'd love to hear what's your upcoming project or retreat that you're planning. Yeah. So what's coming up? I actually, in 2001, when I started Dragonfly Healing Center, I started then offering women's retreats. And these retreats were focused on self-care and empowerment and positive transformation. And as you know, the Dragonfly is a symbol of transformation and um, been doing those retreats every year since then, and they've been really powerful. It's a way to for these women to take the time out and really see. A lot of them go, "Oh my goodness, I spend so much time doing so much for everyone else, and I'm running around." And they realize their life is kind of on automatic pilot. And with mindfulness, it really gives us that opportunity to slow down and be in the present moment. You know, it's um, the formal definition is, you know, paying attention in the present moment with an attitude of non-judgment. So you're really being just where you are and having the sense of gratitude even having the moment. So these retreats are really special for me. And uh, the next one is coming up in November. It's going to be in the Bay Area. And um, it filled up pretty quickly. It was able to now add a couple of more spots. But it's, um, it's just a beautiful weekend that women can get together and really support each other and uplift each other and um, 
spend time on our self-care and learning ways to take this into our lives, you know, so that we really practice self-care as something that isn't selfish. It's it's self-love, you know. If we're not taking care of ourselves, we don't have anything to give to others. And um, so I love that. And that's coming up in November. Um, I also am going to be participating in a retreat that's happening at Esalen Institute that is at the end of September. And this is one that really bridges uh, mindfulness and technology and social impact. So we focus on emerging tech, like virtual reality, artificial intelligence, watching and all of these and really promoting uh, girls and women in these spaces as well and that's a week-long retreat and um, I have some corporate retreats that are coming up where um, it's really about helping people to see how they can bring more balance into their busy lives how they can better manage stress because we're not just a thinking brain, you know, we're a whole being, yes. we're emotional beings, we're social beings, and, uh, and we need to pay attention to all of that, all of it. And you help so many people with this, and it's so wonderful to hear you share the importance of taking time during our busy days, and the importance of being aware of what really does bring happiness in our lives and how we balance that. And I guess we'd love to share with our listeners, since you are doing so much good, Melissa, for for so many people and you're running these retreats and and how do you, and you also do a lot of volunteer work, which we're so thankful for, where you're working at like the East Bay Meditation Center near San Francisco and various other volunteer projects. How do you balance your time and bring in that wellness into your life as you're creating these retreats? And uh, I know you were talking earlier about, you know, it's really nice to be present in the moment. How do you do that, please? Mm-hmm. You know, mindfulness is the secret sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you just set an intention to... Have the so we have the formal practice, you know, mindfulness, which will be a whole sitting meditation. We'll have you for setting that intention in that time to sit. You can even do it lying down or standing up. You know, it's really about being really present in the moment. So I every morning I I meditate on my practice, and then I weave it throughout my day. And okay. I call that the informal practice. So it is setting that intention to be present with what you're doing. You know, if I'm, if I'm working on something, I'm you know, sending emails even, I'm present, I'm connected with what's happening in my body, connected with what emotions are coming up, and that really allows me the chance to respond in the most skillful way. So I'm not just reacting to things. And also oh, the mindfulness helps with focus. So no matter what's going on around, even their distractions or what have you, I'm able to really focus in and zone in. And it helps me with my productivity. And this is what I also teach, especially with um, the corporate 
people in the women in tech and science. And a lot of people see this like, oh my gosh, I gotta take this time out and sit down and meditate or what have you. But what that means is that it also allows you to be able to get more things done in less time. So I can be so yes. efficient with my time. I just get it done and then I have free time and I don't compromise on my free time. I go out in nature, I go for lunch. My husband and I, we go on have nature time, we go on a picnic, we go on, we go see like music and we go to shows and so I have a very balanced life because I live a mindful life. Yes. Oh, thank you for bringing that to life for us and really sharing with our listeners how you incorporate that into your everyday. And I know you like to balance your time between Silicon Valley life and also Hawaii, Maui, and and some of the nature that's so beautiful in Hawaii. And before we close, Melissa, I would love to share with our listeners, if, if you really would think about what are those life lessons that that have been weaving through your life. You shared your personal journey, how you got into education and and really working hard in school to your dreams about travel. And then, of course, that element of social impact and helping others. How would you, in about a minute, share some of those life lessons with our listeners? Mm-hmm. So something that I've learned that's so important and I love to connect with others about is really getting clear on what our values are. So think about what is valuable to you in your life. You know, I work with some people and they say, well, my family is really valuable. And then we look at their life and they're spending very little time with their family. And I go, okay, let's come up with ways and I help them guide them through this of how to really prioritize what your values are, you know, and that means sometimes it's just making little tweaks and changes. Sometimes it's larger, you know, changes and things that you need to shift around. Though it's so important, it's so important to get really clear on what your values are and then align that with how you're living your life, you know. That's so well stated. And another thing, I do want to add this in. Some people are like, oh my gosh, it's so morbid. But it's not in the morbid way. But I say, having a high death awareness um, is something that I'm very connected with. It's like, very aware that there are no guarantees in life. There's no guarantee that tomorrow is going to come. You know, we're all on this beautiful earth. And at some point, our physical bodies will transition. So yes. not take it for granted these moments. You know, a lot of the ways that I've made decisions in my life and pursued my dreams, I've asked myself, if I only had, you know, a few moments left, if I only had a year left, if I only had six months left, would I make the same choice? Would I yes. do the same things that I'm doing right now? And if I say yes, that's my happiness. I know that I'm living to my full potential and living truly happy. I say no. If you say no, it's time to make changes. It's time to do something different. 
So well put, and I really appreciate you sharing that, and it was so heartfelt. Thank you, Melissa Suter, for joining us. Mindfulness teacher, keynote speaker, and corporate consultant, we really appreciate you being with us. We love sharing stories about mindfulness in our lives, in our work, how we can bring together mindfulness technology and social impact and creating happiness in our lives and for others. And of course, you can always go to anikona.com and there's our Anikona gift for our listeners. Any questions, you can always email us at orders at anikona.com. Thank you again, listeners, for joining us. We hope it's been inspiring. We've been so happy to have Melissa Suter with us and we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.